0: Chapter 16, verse 9. We'll backtrack a little bit, though. We'll, we'll kind of talk about just the events as a whole of the of the ladies who came and found the tomb empty on the resurrection morning. But we'll talk about verses. Uh, we'll read verses 9 through 13. Then we'll kind of go back and talk about the whole the whole events of the of that morning. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. In a way, we we finished Mark chapter 16 last week, and you may be saying, well, we didn't finish Mark chapter 16. There's still verses left. Well, those verses are worth being discussed. It is agreed upon by just about every scholar that from verse 9 through the end of the book of Mark, as we know it, those verses were not there in the original manuscripts. They weren't. They were not there. They were only added in manuscripts that came a lot later. And who added them and for what reason they were added, it's, it's really hard to know. Uh, it, is, it is very likely, m- most certain, that Mark did not write these words, that when this book that Mark wrote was written, that these verses that we read from 9 to the end of the book were not written by Mark. Now, many of your Bibles will probably make a notation of that. It, it may be... It may be a a parenthesis or something that starts that section uh, and closes it. There probably is a footnote beginning at verse 9 telling you that these verses were not in any of the original manuscripts. And this is not uncommon for us in Scripture. There are other verses that we have in our Bibles today that are not found in the original manuscripts, but were found in much later manuscripts. Usually, they are listed, even though they are not there, uh, but they are almost always noted. However, it is not uncommon, at least for some Bibles, uh, older Bibles at least, I don't see that in, in most modern translations, but some older Bibles would simply leave those verses out. It would skip, let's say, from verse 51 to verse 53 in, in, in an instance, and there wouldn't be a verse 52. Other other uh, uh, translations may have the verse, but have that notation, and so... There are a few instances in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, where verses are are not there in the oldest manuscripts that we translated from, but they are there in manuscripts that come much later. And so if you see that notation in your Bible, you'll know that's what it's for. Now, it's unlikely that any of your translations would not have verse 9 through the end of chapter 16 of Mark. Uh, but it is it is very likely that there will be some type of notation there. Now there are a lot of things we could consider. That's a, a topic that you can discuss or research if you if you're interested in that. And and there are many reasons uh, to tell us that Mark didn't write this, in particular the the writing style. But it is likely that when Mark wrote this 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 book that we read, that the last thing that he wrote would be verse eight. And so with that in mind. Keep that in mind that these verses that we're looking at today were written by somebody else at some later date. Now, for the most part, the things that we see in the close of Mark are not, are not problematic. They don't tell us anything really uh, that we don't see in the other accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There, there doesn't seem to be anything too bad in there. But as we will see probably next week, there, there is a, a portion of this close of Mark that, that, that is a little more difficult, and we will talk about that next week. But this week, the verses that we're reading, verses 9 through 13, just talk about really some of the same type of things that we see in the other gospel accounts. So let's pray, and then we will jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words and Dear Lord, it's hard for us maybe to know what Mark wrote or what he didn't write or when these verses were added or who added them, but God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to get something from them as we we rejoice over what's being talked about, the resurrection of Jesus. And God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you do the work this morning, that you just help me to say the words that need to be said, and I pray that something we say and talk about today will be beneficial to us, dear Lord. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we saw last week that the women had arrived at the tomb and the tomb was empty. And we saw in verse 7 that they were given instructions by uh, the angel or the angels, uh, depending on what time this may have occurred, to go and tell the disciples and Peter about all this good news and that Jesus was going ahead of them to Galilee. And we have some more details about that morning in in, uh, verse 9. It says, Early on the first day of the week, that is Sunday, After he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. Then after this, he appeared in a different form to the two of them, to two of them walking on their way into the country. And they went and reported it to the rest who did not believe them either now i wanted us to spend a little time on the events that occurred on resurrection morning because if you read through these gospel accounts you will quickly notice that there are many differences as to what may have occurred that morning who went to the tomb at what time did they go to the tomb what events occurred we see in one gospel account that an earthquake occurred that angels descended from heaven and an earthquake occurred Did that occur when the women arrived, or did that occur before the women arrived? We see that Jesus here appeared to Mary Magdalene first, but we also see that women went to the tomb. We also see that it appears that in one gospel account that maybe Mary went by herself. We see in one account that there was one angel, another account that there were two angels. We see in one account that Peter went to the tomb. We see in another account that John and Peter went to the tomb, and so... Each gospel account gives us details that are different. And so what are we to make of these details? Well, we could say that these details are a contradiction, but that is unlikely. That is is not not the case. These verses are not a contradiction. And so what probably occurred is that there were several people going back and forth to the tomb on that morning and that angels maybe appeared at multiple times, and perhaps to some, one angel appeared, and to other, other angels appeared. And Mary Magdalene going to tell the disciples and coming back with Peter and with John. And it's not uncommon maybe for one gospel writer to simply mention Peter was there and not mention John was there. And so it is likely when you read this gospel account... And you go through and you read John chapter 20 and you read uh, Matthew 28 and you read Mark 16 and you read Luke 24, even though some of these events seem like these do not line up, It's likely that these events probably happened throughout the morning, that there was some going back and forth, that there was probably a group of women that maybe Mary Magdalene met them. Mary, maybe she came earlier, maybe she came a little later after the initial news and she went and told Peter and John and she came back with them and after they left, it appears that that may be the time that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and Mary Magdalene was the first person, it says, that Jesus appeared to upon his resurrection. And so I just simply wanted to, for a moment at least, acknowledge that there are differences as to how many angels were there and who they appeared to and the things that they said to them. But I believe that there were probably multiple groups that came throughout the morning, maybe some going back and forth throughout that morning, and angels appeared to different ones at different times. And once it may have been one angel and once it may have been Two angels, but i don 't think that we have to see these things as a contradiction, other than there was a lot going on that morning there were There were several people involved in this story as it began to unfold and and you can imagine kind of the, 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 the excitement that was going on as they got there and the tomb was empty and the going back and forth and the telling the disciples and, and trying to figure out what was going on and weeping and mourning and where is he at? Did somebody steal him? Oh, wait, no, the angels say that he has been resurrected, that he has risen. And then for Mary Magdalene to be approached by Jesus and to see Jesus, can you imagine how overwhelming that must have been? I mean, imagine if you get home today and you walk in your house and somebody that you know that has died is sitting there in your chair and says, hey, how you doing? I mean, that would catch you off guard. You would not suspect that. You would not, you wouldn't know what to do. You would be be frantic. And that's probably the response of of these women and, and these men. Because it says here that when Mary Magdalene told the disciples what had occurred, that they did not believe her. And we see this in other gospel accounts too, that they did not believe what she said. We see that in Luke twenty four. You can turn there if you want to, or you could just listen. In Luke twenty four, we see, we see the same, uh, the same thing. Uh, in Luke twenty four, verse eleven, when they heard these things, it said, "But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women." But listen to what Peter did. Now we just saw and. In, in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, that the angels specifically said, go and tell Peter and the disciples. Go and tell Peter and the disciples. Now, why was Peter signaled out? This is not uncommon to us. There seems to be a focus by the gospel writers that focuses on Peter. There is a focus on Peter. Why is that? Is it that the other disciples weren't important? Well, that's not it. But there was, there was probably a focus on Peter because after the resurrection of Jesus, we see Peter kind of at the forefront leading the charge of the apostles. It is Peter who is standing and preaching and teaching boldly about Jesus Christ. And then later on, Paul comes onto the scene and it's Peter and Paul who are probably... Uh, 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 at the the forefront those two people are helping to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring people into Jesus Christ and so we see Peter mentioned to us all throughout these gospel accounts that Peter is one who is bold to stand up and bold to say what he is going to do or bold to say what he is not going to do and bold to say that he is not going to deny Jesus and yet he denied jesus and we see this boldness about peter even cut the ear off of one of the one of the officers that came to arrest jesus that night and there's there's a certain attention that is given to peter throughout the gospel accounts and i believe that is showing us a little bit about peter and preparing us for peter because he would be at the forefront of what was going to take place after jesus was resurrected after jesus ascended and after peter and the others went into the world it was Peter who was leading that charge. And so we talk about Peter a lot, right? We we talk about stories like Peter walking on water that he said, hey, if it's really you, let me come on out there to you. And Jesus says, come on. And we see Peter's boldness and we see Peter's failure. We see that he loses his faith in Jesus in that account. He gets more worried about the storm and he begins to sink and has to call out to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I'll never deny you, but He does deny Jesus and has to be restored. And Jesus, I'll never never leave you, even if I have to die for you. But but he does. He flees and he runs in the garden with the rest of them. And so Peter wants so badly to do what is right. He wants so badly to stand by Jesus and to stand for Jesus. But he fails. Even as bold as he is, he, he fails time and time again. Can any of us relate to that? Perhaps some of us are not so unlike Peter. Perhaps we speak boldly in our heart or maybe boldly with our mouths and we, and we tell God what we're going to do and we say, God, I'm not going to deny you. God, I'm not going to run from you. God, I'm not going to give in to this sin again. God, I'm going to stand for you and do what I got to do. God, I trust you. I'm never going to doubt you. But yet, we do like Peter does. We get into a storm and we begin to doubt and lose our focus on Jesus and we begin to sink. And we got to say, Lord, help me, I failed. And we stick our hand up and we reach out and God helps us. And we say we're ready to die for Jesus and the time comes that we could stand for Jesus and we don't stand for him at all. We say that we'll never deny Jesus, but yet the time comes that we could, we could stand up for Jesus and when we're questioned we don't say a word about Jesus. We don't stand up for Jesus at all. So perhaps in some ways we are not so unlike Peter. And here in this passage, not only do the gospel writers give special attention to Peter, but the angel itself himself says, hey, go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus has been resurrected. And we see in John's account, John chapter 20, that when Peter hears this news that he and John run to the tomb and John outruns him to the tomb and Peter gets there and he sees that Jesus is gone and he is amazed. He is amazed at what has taken place. They heard the news from, from Mary Magdalene. They did not believe it. They had to run to the tomb and see it for themselves and they run and they run and they run and they get there and they stoop and they look into the tomb and there's nothing there but the linen cloth that was wrapping Jesus. And can you imagine the amazement that they must have had? The scripture says they were amazed and, and they probably, their gears were turning. And they begin to think and they begin to remember what Jesus had said. They trusted Jesus. They believed that Jesus was the Savior. I don't believe that that was ever in question. I don't think that they doubted Jesus was the Savior. I think they believed that up until the moment that Jesus died, but they still did not understand, the scripture says. Even though Jesus had told them he would die and be resurrected, the scripture says even when he was resurrected that they still did not understand. They trusted he was the Messiah. They believed he was the Messiah, but somehow they did not connect the dots. They did not They did not understand when they died and they placed him in the tomb that he wouldn't stay there. And lo and behold, they go to the tomb and they see that the tomb is empty. And I'm sure that they begin to, the gears begin to turn and they begin to think there was probably a bit of fear, probably a bit of excitement. Oh no, oh yes, what if he really has raised Could it be that everything he said is true? Could it be that he's conquered death? And lo and behold, it wasn't long after that until Jesus appeared to them and they could see the wounds in his hand and they could see the wounds in his side, wounds in his feet, and they could see. Here they were in a locked room afterwards. They were afraid of the Jews, the scripture said, and lo and behold, here comes Jesus. Bam, a locked room, can't keep him out, and right there he appears in the middle of the room with him. And can you imagine what they must have felt, the excitement that they must have had that day? And so Jesus had been resurrected and the angel said, go and tell Peter and the disciples. But why go and tell Peter? Because I believe Peter needed to know. Because Peter had denied Jesus. Peter was ashamed of Jesus. This is probably a story that, that maybe you've read or heard a lot of times. And and I know we just talked about this a few weeks ago. This is, not, this is not anything new, but I believe it's important. And I felt like we needed to talk about it again. Because there's a specific mention. It's, it's intentional by the angel. It's intentional that the women, that Mary Magdalene, that the angel said, go and tell Peter. And that Peter rushed to the tomb because Peter needed restoration. He felt like he had failed Jesus. He felt like he was, he had just blown it. Here Jesus had died and he had died knowing that Peter had denied him and Peter had to live with that knowing that he had turned his back on Jesus. And so the angel says, hey, go tell Peter. I think the angel said that because Peter needed needed that encouragement. He needed to know that it was not too late. He needed to know that the Lord was not through with him. He needed to know that everything was going to be okay. And the story unfolds into John chapter 21 as 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 Peter and the some of the other disciples are fishing, and there on the shore he sees Jesus. And, and what does he do? The same response. When he hears Jesus is, 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 is out of the tomb, he runs to the tomb. Now, this is just the opposite of his, of his initial response. When they came to arrest Jesus, what did Peter do? He ran away. When they they had Jesus given him a trial and they asked Peter, was was he a follower of Jesus? And what did Peter do? He denied it and he ran away. He got away from him. He didn't want to be part of that. And so here at Jesus' death, at Jesus' last hours, Peter was running from Jesus. But after Jesus' death and after his resurrection, when he hears that Jesus is alive, he doesn't run from Jesus. What does he do? He runs to the tomb. He's out fishing. He sees on the shore in a distance and he realizes, and he notices, that's Jesus. And what does he do? He doesn't get in the boat and sail away. He jumps in the water and he swims to Jesus. And he can't wait to get to Jesus. So here we see kind of a contrast. Peter sinned. He messed up. He ran away from Jesus. But he realized his sin. He realized what he had done. And now he's running back to Jesus and now he's swimming back to Jesus and it's there on the shoreline that day as Peter is eating breakfast with Jesus that Jesus asked him three times do you love me and Peter says three times I love you and in that moment Peter is restored and we need to be reminded of that story because that is a very powerful story for you and I because there are days that you and I blow it. There are days that you and I sin. There are days and maybe weeks and maybe months and maybe years that we find ourselves running from Jesus, maybe intentionally. Maybe we are intentionally saying, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to read the Bible because we feel the conviction. We feel the shame and we're running from Jesus. Maybe there are other times that we don't realize that we're running from Jesus, but but our sin is just that. When we are living in our sin, we are running from Jesus and we are running to our sin. And we need to be reminded that Jesus wants us to return to him, that Jesus doesn't want us to run from him. And, and sometimes we may feel like we cannot turn back. Sometimes we feel like what I imagine Peter felt like. I imagine that Peter felt like it's over. I have denied Jesus. There is no hope for me. He will never love me. He will never forgive me. I can never return to him. I'll never get the opportunity to return to him. But yet Jesus wanted Peter to return. And Jesus gave him the opportunity and when when Peter ran to the tomb that day and Jesus was gone, I believe that Peter probably said, oh, I've got a chance. I can return to Jesus. Because he's resurrected, because he's conquered death, I can come to him. And the same is true for you and I. The same, the same joy that Peter probably felt that day is the same joy and the same hope that you and I have that day. What's that hope? That Jesus is not in the grave. There's hope. There's hope for me that I can come to Jesus, that Jesus is still alive. And when Peter saw Jesus and swam to him on the shore and three times said, I love you, Jesus, he was restored. And I want to tell you today that Jesus, he wants to restore you. And you may say, he can't restore me. I've sinned. It's too late. But he can. But he can only do it if you go to him. He can only do it if you seek him. If if Peter would have heard the news that day and said, oh, the tomb's empty, why bother? He's dead and gone. If Peter wouldn't have ran to the tomb, if Peter would have went about his life, if Peter would have been fishing and and saw Jesus and said, I see Jesus in the distance, but what's the use? He's not going to want anything to do with me. He's he's not going to save me. What if Peter would have set sail and went the other way? Well, Peter would have died apart from Jesus, but he didn't. Peter knew that he had sinned. He was ashamed of his sin, but when he had the opportunity, he said, Jesus, I'm coming to you not because I deserve for you to forgive me, but because I love you, and I'm sorry I did what I did. That was the heart that Peter had, and that's the heart that you and I need to have this morning. So maybe you feel like, you've wandered away from Jesus. Maybe for a day or a week, a month, or maybe for years, you feel like, man, I've, I've lived my life the way I want to live it, and I've, I'm tired of living my life that way. I'm tired of putting Jesus in second place, and I want to put him first. If, if you feel that way today, then I've got good news for you. If you seek Jesus, you will find him. If you come to Jesus in the same way that Peter came to Jesus, with a broken and humble heart, Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will restore you. The devil wants you to think that God is done with you, that God does not care about you, and that God will not forgive your sins. That's what the devil wants you to think. The devil wants you to think that you are broken beyond repair. But the Scripture says just the opposite, that Jesus came to forgive sinners, and that includes you and me. The Bible says that Jesus loves you that he died on a cross for you the bible says that jesus will restore you you are not broken on repair it may be that you are like peter and you have spent some time denying jesus and it may be that you are like peter and your faith is weak and you are sinking in the storms of life that are raging around you but every time peter reached out to jesus jesus saved peter whether it was in the ocean or whether it was that day on the riverbanks or the ocean bank, whatever it was, when Peter swam to Jesus, when Peter went to Jesus, Jesus restored Peter. And he will do the same for you and I. And so that morning that Jesus was resurrected, the angel told the women, go and tell Peter and the disciples. Why? Because God knew he wasn't through with Peter. And he wanted Peter to know he wasn't through with him. And if you're hearing these words today, if you feel conviction in your heart that you have sinned and wandered away from Jesus Christ, and I've got good news. God can spare you and save your soul if you come to Jesus and seek him. God can restore you. And the same way that he restored Peter, one who denied Jesus, I don't know him. I don't know that man. But God, God knew Peter's heart. He knew deep down he really loved Jesus, and he wasn't through with Peter. And even though Peter denied Jesus, Jesus restored him and used him to build his kingdom. And that may be what Jesus wants to do in your life. That may be how the Holy Spirit's been working on you. You may think that God doesn't want to use you, but if he can use Peter, he can use you too. If you seek him, if you come to him, if you put your trust in Jesus, he can restore you today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that you would help us to seek Jesus in all we do. And maybe, God, we just, we hadn't been living right. Maybe there's some in here that are yours, and they really do trust you. They don't doubt that Jesus is, is the Messiah, but maybe we hadn't been living like it. Maybe we've been living for ourselves. God, maybe there's some in here that are yours, and maybe they've been running from you in some way not reading your word, not seeking you. God, maybe there's some in here that are not yours yet. They've never put their faith in Jesus. Maybe they've been running for years, but maybe they're ready to get their life on track, dear Lord. Maybe today is the day that you want them to do it and put their faith in Jesus. God, maybe sometimes we feel like we're hopeless, but God, don't let us give in to those those attacks of the devil. Let us know that we have a great hope in, in Jesus. And that when Peter saw that empty tomb, it meant that he had hope. There was still a chance. There was a way that he could still be restored by Jesus. And God, because of the empty tomb, we can be restored. We still have a chance. If there's breath in our lungs, we hear these words of yours, dear Lord, that Jesus has been resurrected, that he is the Messiah, and that he can save us, God, there's a chance. So God, I pray that if there are any in this room that do not know Jesus today, that like Peter that they would repent, that they would humble themselves, that they would realize the the sin in their life, and the shame and the and the error of their ways, dear Lord. And that today that they would repent, that they would seek Jesus, that they would come to him, that God, upon hearing this good news of Jesus' resurrection, that they would be like Peter and, and run to see the good news today. That they like Peter, when they see Jesus in the words of Scripture, would would drop everything, dear Lord, and 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 run to him seek him with all they've got. And God, when we find him, just the same way that you restored Peter, you restore us. So God, if there's one that needs restoring today, I pray that you just would, would help them to feel convicted and to seek you and to come to you and to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.